You are Locked On Pirates, your daily Pittsburgh Pirates podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Locked On Pirates. I am, of course, your host, who does the most, Ethan Smith. I hope you all are having a fabulous Wednesday, June 23rd, as the Pittsburgh Pirates did some stuff that I said on the podcast they should have did yesterday. They attacked Lucas Giolito, got a big win against the White Sox yesterday that I really didn't expect either. I don't think a ton of people expected, but there's a ton of things going on outside of the baseball field as well for the Pirates. It's about to be probably the most active couple weeks that we're going to see of this season in terms of off-field stuff. And joining us once again after his first stint on Locked On Pirates, he said, hey, I want to come back. Uh, Adam Bittner of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is here once again. How are you doing today, man? Ethan, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Besides the fact that um, you brought it up to me that uh, Jason Mackey, who's one of the lead, I think he is the lead writer for the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates over there at the Post, um, wrote a story about Brian Reynolds um, in the trade chatter. Uh, is he a trade candidate? Is he an extension candidate? Realistically for me, not really a name I expected to be brought up, but I guess when the team is where it's at, it's a very viable option if they get the kind of deal that Charrington wants. But I think that's where I want to start. What does Ben Charing- What would Ben Charrington ideally want for Brian Reynolds? Well, I, I think he'd want a lot. I mean, obviously, he has a ton of control left, um, you know, and, and that makes him very a very valuable commodity, um, you know, not just to the Pirates, but to any team that might want to trade for him. Um, and I, I guess a lot of people have been making the argument that he should be in the in the pool with Colin Moran and Adam Frazier and Richard Rodriguez in terms of, um, you know, players who, who the Pirates have, who've been productive, who they could trade for, um, you know, building blocks for the future. Um, and, and Jason basically argued against that pretty forcefully, saying it makes zero sense mm-hmm. um, and that the, that the Pirates should try to, um, you know, extend Brian Reynolds instead. Um, so I think it was really interesting for, for you know, Jason to kind of stake out his, his space there. And, and me and him kind of went back and forth on Twitter because I think um, – Jason, Jason's operating in the world of, of what the pirates should do. Um, and you know, I, I think I kind of come at it from the perspective of, um, I I don't think Brian Reynolds is going to sign an extension here. I think, you know, the past he's really been mentioned as, as a candidate for the past two years, pretty much since Ben Sherrington took over. There were even some murmurs, you know, late in the Huntington era, um, that because he was performing so well, the club would, be aggressive like they were with with Andrew McCutcheon, with Starling Marte, um, like teams including the Braves have been with Ronald Acuna to kind of offer them life-changing money, but, you know, a, a deal that would probably benefit the club in the long run if the player performs as, as the player, you know, as the team hopes. Yep. Um, and, and I think, you know, Brian Reynolds has been in that conversation for a couple of years and we haven't seen a deal. And now he's playing well again. Um, and, and the problem with that is that, you know, every day he plays well, every day he's in these conversations of, of, oh, he's second in in OPS only to Andrew McCutcheon in, in the month of June across the majors, um, that's going to send his price up. And I, I don't know where the pirates interests and, 
uh, Brian Reynolds' interests are necessarily going to align for an extension because Brian Reynolds is going to want to get as close to free agency as possible before signing a deal, and and the Pirates are going to want to sign him as early as possible to keep that number as low as possible over the long yep. term. Um, so I think it's going to be really difficult to reach an extension with Brian Reynolds if they haven't already. I think the window for that has you know, really been the past two years rather than, you know, looking forward into this off season. Um, Jason seems optimistic that they could get a deal done. He doesn't think that there's any, any rush. Um, but you know, it's like I said, I feel like there's that, that that's been part of the conversation for a while. And the fact that it hasn't happened probably speaks, you know, at least somewhat to, to, to Brian's interests. And, um, you know, if you're going to accept that Brian Reynolds is not going to sign a long-term contract here, then the question is, what is the exit strategy, right? Uh, do you let him walk to free agency at the end of his club control? Do you trade him with a year or two left? Uh, because that's that's when he would have value. Do you trade him now because you're in the middle of rebuilding? Um, I actually tend to come down on the idea of this is a player you should probably hold on to for a couple of years um, just because you're still at a very early stage of the rebuilding, right? Um, you know, we see what this Pirates team is. A lot of the the, the best talent is the lower levels of the minors. This team is probably two to three years away from competing. Um, so, so if that's the case, I think you might want to hold on to Reynolds so that, you know, two or three years from now, if you do want to trade him, if you can't reach a deal with him, you can say, hey, what are our needs? And use him to address those needs. Maybe make some pure baseball trades or, um, you know, follow, follow the Neil Huntington model of trading your best players for high level minors prospects that maybe don't have the high ceilings that Ben Charrington has been chasing early in this rebuilding process, but they can be, you know, productive major league hitters over the long run. I think Colin Moran, obviously from the Garrett Cole trade is probably the best current example we have of, of someone who, um, you know, didn't have a, a massive ceiling. He's not going to be a, a franchise changing player, but he's matured into being a useful infielder um, has brought, you know, a decent amount of power and, um, you know, he's a, he's a decent player. And I think if you hold a Brian Reynolds until that time, you might be able to find a guy like that to plug into, you know, whatever your weaknesses are in two or three years when you're, when you're hopefully getting closer to competing. Oh yeah. And I agree a hundred percent. And it's, it's a situation they have to really figure out for those wondering uh, listeners that are wondering um, when he means that he has a lot of control, he has a ton of control. Like, Brian Reynolds is on arbitration. If I'm looking at it correctly here on uh, spot track, he's making $601,000 this year. He's arbitration eligible from 2022 to 2025 and would not be an unrestricted free agent until the age of 31 in 2026. So having that much team control on a player, especially if you look into the trade market is pretty insane because I mean, if you're trading for a guy who, as you mentioned, has an OPS that's second in June right now behind a former pirate and Andrew McCutcheon, you're getting a really good hitter. And it's also very hard right now in baseball, obviously with the batting average going down, but we'll see how all this new substance stuff affects that. Um, it's very interesting to see what the pirates are going to want to do. And I mean, for me, I'm on the extension side just because I think every Batman needs his Robin. And I think Reynolds could be a very good Robin to key Brian Hayes eventually. Um, whenever Key Brian Hayes reaches his ceiling in the next couple of years. But if you do decide to trade him, you have to be really smart in this idea that both teams are going to virtually win that trade if it works out regardless. 
Because, I mean, if you're picking up Reynolds and you trade him to a team, say, like the Yankees or a team with a lot more money, he's going to get the money he wants. They're not going to hesitate to sign him to an extension. There's going to be no reason to keep him on arbitration that long. For the Pirates, though, for a team like us, where we or for them, because uh, I don't play for the team, um, for them, and I think you probably view this the same way, is why would you pay him any more money right now when the team's not really winning, as you said, probably for the next two or three years? Well, I think, you know, if he's willing to sign a below market contract, we've we've seen how that works for Andrew McCutcheon. He signed it in, you know, kind of the depths of of the Pirates losing years. um, And it ended up paying up paying off big for them during those playoff runs where they had him at a cheaper rate. Um, I think Starling Marte was in the same boat. Um, he was a he was a great player that they were able to have for a long time uh, mm-hmm. because they signed him to a below market rate. And I think if if Reynolds is willing to do that, you should do that tomorrow. Um, you should do that today. You should you should get those that deal done as fast as possible. Um, if he's not willing to do that, and I think uh, to kind of jump off where where you pointed out um, that these he you can kind of build around Hayes. I I kind of am kind of fear that Hayes is in the same boat with Reynolds. Um, we know he explicitly rejected an, an advance from the Pirates this offseason, yep. Um, yep. which means that the the Pirates offer either needs to get better, even though you know Key Brian Hayes is, is continuing to produce and continuing to drive up his his future cost, um, or he's just not going to sign here and he's going to be a Garrett Cole type. And and we know what the Pirates have done with those guys in the past, right? Uh, Jameson Tyon was traded with two years left. Garrett Cole was traded with two years left. Um, Josh Bell was traded with two years left. Andrew McCutcheon was traded with one year of control left. Yep. I'm not sure. I, I'm pretty sure Marte had one left, but he may have had two or, or, or something like that. Um, but the Pirates don't let these guys get to free agency, and for good reason. I, you know, These are the trades that have somewhat stocked the minor league system now while you're in the middle of rebuilding. Um, and so, you know, they're not going to let Brian Reynolds and Key Brian Hayes get to free agency. They're going to be traded with a year or two left, which then brings up the question of what is this team's timeline, right? Yep. Um, you know, 2025, 2026 seem like a long way away, but if it's going to be two to three years before the Pirates are competitive and we're talking about being, I don't know, 2023 at the earliest, um, I would say so. You know, yeah. if, if they arrive quickly like the Chicago Cubs did in, in 2015 and 2016, um, you know, if, if that's going to be this trajectory, you're looking at 2023. Um, so you might have a two-year window before you have to start moving them, um, you know, before Reynolds gets to, to free agency in 2020, the beginning of 2026. Um, I guess Hayes would be the beginning of 2027. Um, so, you know, pretty much everything has to go right for these guys to, I think, be the core of a winning team. Um, and I think they, it also creates a problem for them being so off-sequence with most of the troops that are going to be coming over the next several years, right? Um, because because you'll have a young core of players that their event horizons four or five years out, and you can at that point make us you know a serious run over two, three, four years, like the Pirates did with Andrew McCutcheon, Neil Walker, and that core. Um, but but Reynolds and and Hayes don't fit neatly into that. Um, so I think either you need to be more aggressive and get them locked down and say. You know, do something like the Padres did with Fernando Tatis. Um, you know, back up the Brinks truck and say these are going to be our franchise players for a long time. They're young, um, and, and and we believe in their ability to produce. Um, or or you have to ha- start having that conversation of what the exit strategy is for both of them. 
because you know it's 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 going to be kind of a, a thorny question because these guys were not these guys were meant to arrive to supplement a core of Jamison Tyon, Josh Bell. They were supposed to be the guys that were supporting them. Yep. Now, now they're the they're the pieces that are here that people are excited about because they're the players that they can see every night. But the players who are going to help them are years away, and so it, it's kind of a complicated situation. I like the Pirates' upside in the in the long run. I think Ben Sherrington's doing a lot of good things. Um, I just don't know how these two clearly fit into that yet, um, unless they're able to speed up that that transition process. Yeah, and it's a it's one of those things as well as. And I'll ask like a question after this point is you have to consider that the amount of talent in the farm system. And I always put a um, like quotations on talent because you never really know there's talent in this farm system, especially in the outfield. Uh, Kanan Smith has looked very good in the minors. Cal Mitchell has looked pretty solid as well. Uh, Hudson head of course is far away, but he was a big pickup from that uh, San Diego Padres trade for Joe Musgrove. So it's really a question of, if there's just an offer you can't refuse for Reynolds and you maybe think he doesn't sign an extension, do you just pull the trigger when his value as is as high as it probably ever will be? That's really the big question. Now, here's my follow-up question is, as of right now, at the time of us recording, who would be in on Brian Reynolds at the trade deadline? Like, what teams would be, like, looking to acquire him? Oh, I'm not sure. And, and kind of to, to, to follow up that point, I think um... – I think there's there's a logical you know peak of value right, um, and I think it's a it's about two years out with these players who are under club control. Um, I don't think trading them before before that is going to get you a whole lot more right because teams, you know, theoretically yes, are is four or five years of club control more valuable than two? Yes, but how many teams are willing to pay that for one player right? So if you think. Um, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too far in the weeds with with trade values and all of that. But, you know, if you if you assess Brian Reynolds trade value at a, at a certain number um, to a club, uh, you know, club, uh, the clubs that might trade for him are going to say that price is too high to justify doing this. And that's why I think it's it's I think you're going to get a similar for return for Reynolds now compared to if you trade him with about two years left. So I guess that would be two to three years from now. Yeah. Um, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot more than that. Um, and I guess to my point, you know, last night I was, I was tweeting a little bit on Twitter. If you trade him for some low minors dart throws now, guys who may or may not develop, who have high upside, but that also might completely flame out. Um, that's, that's just what they are. They're dart throws. They're, they're what's most of, of what's forming the Pirates' future here. Or you can wait until later. And you might be able to trade for the same prospect two or three years down the development curve where, you know, maybe maybe you're the risk you're taking in trading for that player is not as high because he's yeah. further developed. He's he's at double A. He's at triple A. He's more of a known commodity. You might be able to trade for the same player that you, you could get now two years later with with less uncertainty. And maybe that means his ceiling's not as high, um, but maybe that's what you're looking for to fit into a team. So I think you know, it's hard for me to say which teams might be involved. I mean, you can look around the bigs and say, you know, this team needs an outfielder, this team needs an outfielder. But I, I think it, it it runs up against the reality of how much would that team have to pay to actually pay off the trade value and, and make it worthwhile for the Pirates? And does that make sense for that team? Um, I don't know that it does at this point in time. So 
Um, you know, I, I think, I think Reynolds is here unless someone goes absolutely crazy, but we don't, you know, we haven't seen much of that in baseball. Um, you know, especially over the past year because of COVID and because finances are so, um, uncertain right now. So I, I I think it's a low likelihood that he would be traded for the reasons we've talked about. Um, and you know, I, I can't really, I can't really say which team would go crazy for, for a guy like him at this point. Yeah. And I mean, another kind of thing for me is, is the kind of ceiling in terms of a trade that you could get for him in terms of the players you get back. Like, is he like a top 10, top five prospect get back guy? Or is he just kind of like a, like you said, a bunch of dart throws. And I mean, going into that, Brian Reynolds, of course, is a big talk. And now obviously Adam Frazier has been a big talk as well. Um, The Arizona Diamondbacks have Eduardo Escobar. The White Sox are in on him. The Yankees could really use them. That one, I think, needs to happen. That's where I'm at with it. That's kind of like a more of the Pirates need or like have to trade him just to maximize his value because, I mean, he's a good defensive player. He's a utility guy that can pretty much play anywhere, and he's hitting out of his mind this year. He's going to help any team that he plays for, including the Pirates. He helps the Pirates every day that he gets a hit by either making his trade value higher or winning them a baseball game in some aspects. So on the Adam Frazier front, now that we've talked about Reynolds, where, like, where do you see the pirates as far as what they're looking for, for Frazier? Yeah, I think they're going to take what the market will bear. Um, You know, my colleague, my colleague, Paul Zeiss wrote a couple of weeks ago, I think now um, that he thinks the pirates should try to build a, build a core around Adam Frazier, Colin Moran, Brian Reynolds, Brian Hayes. Um, but, you know, I don't know why Adam Frazier would want to sign an extension here, right? I don't know why Colin Moran would want to sign an extension here. Those guys are in their late 20s. Um, they're probably only going to get one shot at free agency, you know. So they're not going to take a below-market deal to stay with the Pirates team that's probably not going to compete until those guys are in their 30s anyway. Um, and at that point, you know, their best their best chance to earn will be, have been behind them. Um, so I think if, if you're the pirates, you, you would have preferred to extend, um, Frazier a while ago, but you know, he hasn't been as consistent in the past as he's been this year. Um, and, and again, I think Moran's been a solid player, but he's not kind of the franchise cornerstone, um, that, that you're going to want to necessarily build a team around if he's going to cost you a lot of money. So I think those guys, you know, probably have to move. I think, um, Moran is in the boat of you can probably wait a little bit while wait a little while longer if you don't like the price. He's had some injuries, so that might be scaring some teams off. But obviously, Frazier's value is probably never going to be higher than it is now. Um, so I think he's a he's a player that's absolutely going to move. Uh, I put Richard Rodriguez in the same boat. He's a guy who's already in his 30s. He's peaking. Um, you know, sell high, buy low. That's that's what you got to do. It's it's a pretty universal law, and I think that certainly applies to Frazier and Rodriguez, um, and maybe to a lesser extent Moran, uh, who's been solid. But you know, if if you're a team that be acquiring him, you'd also have some valid concerns. So um, I, those are my top two that I'd expect to move, and then I'd I'd put Moran in a, a little bit lower tier, but still a possibility. Yeah, and I mean, especially I talked about it on my episode yesterday about Mason Martin. He's been skyrocketing up boards lately as far as like a power hitting first baseman, especially a left-handed power hitting first baseman that is easily going to be much cheaper down the road than Colin Moran would be. So that has to be in play as well, I would think. And are there any specific, and this is probably a broad question that'll be kind of hard to answer, but um, 
Are there any specific prospects that you like around like the teams that might want Frazier that you would like to get back? I mean, I jokingly on Twitter the other day said that I'd love a Deshaun Dominguez for Adam Frazier trade if the Yankees got super desperate. Uh, I obviously don't think that happens, but it would be insane if it did. But is there like any specific guys on any of these teams that are in on Frazier that we presume that are in on Frazier that would be like really nice for the Pirates to get back? Uh, I can't say I've done my due diligence on that, you know, quite yet. Um, you know, it's, I mean, it's still fortunately the middle of June. So I think there's still time for the, for the pirates to, to kind of wait for their best offer. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't really have my finger on that. And I think, you know, it's a question of, of, you know, what's been Charrington's strategy here. Is he, is he going to continue to go for these, these low minor guys? Um, or is, is he going to try to get some guys that are, that are closer um, to the big leagues now that you have your, your own core um, and you're going to be adding to that through the draft, right? So you're going to be adding another core of low minors prospects through the draft. You're going to have a ton of great picks this year because, because of, you know, your terrible finish last season. Um, so maybe he says, okay, maybe there, there's some guys that are closer to the big leagues that are closer to proven commodities that we um, you know, that we want to know are going to be arriving a little bit earlier and, and maybe giving us a decent foundation for when those big, you know, those bigger names arrive um, later on. So I think, you know, I'm, I'm most interested to see what his strategy is as opposed to um, the specific names because, um, you know, I think at this stage with the Pirates, it's obviously the minors is where the action is, right? You know, watching the big league team every night is, easy to do but if you're looking for the most meaningful way to spend your night you're probably going to watch the minor leagues it's easier to do than ever um but these guys are going to rise and fall right and 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 the guys who are hot now may not be the guys that are hot a year from now um the guys who aren't hot now may be rising up and and putting themselves on the radar over these next few months and going into next season so um you know at, at this point with the pirates i'm still looking more at what are the levels you know what is you know what 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 are the moves suggesting about when Ben Charrington thinks he can get this team to compete? Yeah. And I mean, I agree hundred percent. I've watched a good number of Altoona curve games this year because of Rowenzi Contreras. I mean, every time he pitches, I try to watch the game just because I'm like, he's arguably the best pitcher in double a right now, maybe in all of the minor leagues uh, baseball America moved him up to 104th in their prospect ranking. So he's almost breaking the top 100. And then you have guys like Quinn Priester, and Nick Gonzalez that are in a uh, class A or a uh, single A. I can't remember which how I always forget how the names work because um, they did all that reformatting now. Um, but as far as like prospects go, I mean, most people would probably say the obvious ones. But now with some things that we've seen from the minor league season, who are some of the guys that you think are going to be? Like, who do you like the most? And it's an opinionated question. Like, who are the guys that you like the most that the Pirates have in their farm system? Well, I've, I've, you know, I've, I've really liked some of these highlights we've been seeing from O'Neill Cruz, right? And I think he's yes. one of those guys that, that you can kind of get a little bit more excited about because he's closer than a lot of some of these other names you just, you just listed. I think Contreras is definitely in that mix. Um, and, and to me, I'm still, you know, I'm still kind of, I still kind of have my eyes on the draft and what direction is Ben Charrington going to go there? I think that's a whole nother can of worms we might not have time for today. And I think we got in, into it a little bit on my last appearance here. Um, but do you go with these, these, you know, these Vanderbilt pitchers who are kind of proven commodities that might be 
might be in the in Pittsburgh in a relatively short order, or do you go with, um, you know, a Lawler, you know, type, a, a guy who's in high school, a, a shortstop who might have a higher ceiling, um, but who's who might take a while to to actually get here. And um, you know, we know the Pirates have have spent high picks on high school shortstops before, and they haven't necessarily turned into those high upside Hall of Fame you know, caliber players. So, um, you know, I'm also looking at the draft as, as, you know, kind of who is that one, one going to be, who's, who's going to become, you know, I think for better or worse, the guy who they draft this year is going to become the face of the rebuild, um, you know, for years to come, because in the same way, Garrett Cole did in the same way, Pedro Alvarez was, um, you know, those, those were the guys who were drafted with the most hype. And I think, um, you know, regardless of what they have already, they don't have that person who, who kind of is the closest they'll be to baseball relevance, right? Was when they hold that number one pick when they're on the clock. Um, you know, that's the closest they're going to be to relevance league wide. And I think that person is going to become the face. So I'm still most curious who are they going to get there? Yeah. And um, I would say right now, as far as of what I've been seeing, as I like Marcelo Meyer a lot. Like, if they take him, I will be ecstatic if they take him based on what I've seen that he's done in high school. But, I mean, again, as you said, do you want the proven, com- like, the more proven commodity, I'd say, in Jack Leiter, who, for anyone not knowing, on Monday night, I mean, he looked insane in that College World Series game. Like, he just, he was unhittable, like, for virtually most of the game. And, I mean, then Kumar Rocker, of course, I don't think they're going to take Rocker anymore. He was the consensus number one a year ago, but obviously things change in a year. Um, I would not be opposed to either option. It's just kind of more of a mix of what does either option do in terms of the timeline. Uh, as you all know, too, I love Marvel and Disney and all that stuff. So Loki's on right now about timelines and all that fun stuff. So that's going on. So it's really a question of what is the timeline that Charrington wants? Does he want to accelerate things? Does he want to wait a while? And I mean, of course, most fans would want him to accelerate things, but there has to be a formulation of doing so. Jack Leiter, I think, would give you kind of the basis of doing it. And then maybe you like if that's the decision he makes, maybe you build around what the San Francisco Giants kind of did this year where they go after veterans and free agency, low end veteran free agents and build a solid team around it and then get the prospects up when they come. Or you take the approach of what some teams have done where you wait a while, like which is what I think they will do. And you build all of your prospects through here. You get the high school shortstop. You let him build himself up, and as you said, make him the face of the rebuild. Yeah, yeah, and and um, you know, I think there there could be you know up to a, a five year difference between you know when when a high school shortstop might be able to arrive versus when um, you know a, a college starting pitcher who's you know competing in the college World Series and, and leading his team there might arrive. I think you know, with, with lighter and, and, you know, to a lesser extent, maybe rocker, it wouldn't be unreasonable to expect those guys to be here. Maybe not next summer, but the summer, summer after. So 2023, um, whereas, you know, high school shortstop might be a lot further away, but then again, uh, you know, I, I think we're seeing teams take a different tack with development. I think that's why they've shaved off a lot of the lower levels of the minors, right? Because they, um, 
a lot of teams have have begun to see that the the best development sometimes can happen at the higher levels and even in the big leagues. So, um, you know, maybe the Pirates would want to take a more aggressive approach. Um, I I don't know that Harrington or Charrington has shown that yet. I I think just the other day he was talking about not wanting to move O'Neill Cruz up to triple A because he only has about 300 plate appearances in double A and, and the Pirates don't think that that's enough, um, to warrant a promotion, but, um, you know, again, things can evolve a lot in the, in the next couple of years that, that might change the organizational philosophy. So um, you're right. I think that's that's the big question here, more so than the individual player is, is what does it suggest about the, the Pirates' belief in their timeline and, and um, you know, their willingness to, to do the best move for now as opposed to the best move for significantly down the road. So who does Adam want the Pirates to take number one? Um, I, I, am still, I'm still with the pitchers. I think, you know, a, a Jack Leiter, a Kumar Rocker is, is someone that can get people excited now. And I think, um, you know, I think that's not insignificant for the pirates, right? I think, you know, if you're trying to sell tickets, if you're trying to get people excited, um, you know, if you're trying to build your resources for, you know, having, having the resources to, to expand the payroll down the road, you want to get the fan base kind of excited now. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to get fired up one way or another, like a lot of people on Twitter. And, and I can see, I can see every side of the argument. If, if you want to go, you know, with, with these high school shortstops, great. Um, you know, I, I, I understand that argument and I, I certainly respect it, but I think, um, I think there's something to be said for getting the Pittsburgh fan base fired up in, in the way that you did in those early Huntington years with, with Pedro coming up, with um, Garrett Cole coming up, with Starling Marte coming up. Those guys made those years interesting, even if the Pirates didn't end up finishing very well. Um, and I think, you know, I'd put a Jack Leiter in, in that vein, right? Um, he should still be here. You know, by the time he gets here, he should still be here to compete with the core that you have coming up. Um, you know, he may not be you know the franchise player type of guy, that that you hope a high school shortstop might be but he'll be here he'll be a contributor and i think that's that's important for this team at this time oh yeah anything else on your mind about the pittsburgh pirates as the game is about to kick off in about like five or ten minutes as we're recording nope nope i think um you know i think it's it's going to be exciting to see where this team goes in the next month i think last night was an exciting victory because um you know, all of these major trade candidates were, were contributing in meaningful ways, um, right? And I think if you're the Pirates and you're going to win games now instead of losing them to get closer to that number one pick or a higher draft pick next year, um, you want those wins to come when, when guys like Adam Frazier and, and Richard Rodriguez and uh, Brian Reynolds are, are, are in starring roles, right? And I, I think that's what you saw last night. And then um, – that's 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 kind of what I'm watching for to see how how much these guys can carry this team over the next month and a half and, and um, increase their value. Oh, yeah. And I'm on the same boat and it's going to be a fun month for Pirates fans and writers and podcasters like us to cover the team and see what they do. Uh, Adam, where can we follow your work and on Twitter and stuff like that? 
I am on Twitter at Fujimaster24, F-U-G-I, and you can check out uh, my coverage and, and that of, you know, we talked about Jason Mackey. Uh, Mike Persack is also one of our Pirates writers. Um, those guys are at the ballpark every night. They do a great job. You can find us on post-gazette.com. Um, you know, Jason works really hard and, and he's going to give you all the best information between now and the trade deadline. Um, so definitely keep an eye on our page and, and, and check back often. Oh, yeah. And you guys, of course, know where you can follow me. You can follow this podcast on Odyssey or wherever you get your podcast. You can follow on Twitter at Locked on Pirates. You can follow me at MVP underscore Ethan and see the slew of tweets that uh, were painful for me to tweet because of my Clippers loss last night. Um, But, you know, we're all here to talk about the Pirates. I, of course, will be back tomorrow. Adam, thank you so much for coming on once again. Maybe we can make this a regular thing on Wednesdays. Um, but I will be back tomorrow on Thursday, uh, recapping this two game series against the White Sox, previewing the series against the St. Louis Cardinals and trade talks, all that good stuff. Thank you guys so much and have a great rest of your Wednesday and I'll see you on the flip side.